0: Welcome to Law for Community Workers On The Go, a series of podcasts designed specifically for community workers, health workers and anyone else who works to support people in their community. This series is brought to you by the Community Legal Education Team here at Legal Aid New South Wales and our aim is to help you help your clients. We hope you enjoy today's episode and that you learned something new and interesting. Welcome back to this two-part episode about the National Redress Scheme.
1: If you haven't already listened to part one, best to go back and do that one first. Before we start, a warning. We are discussing child sexual abuse today. This podcast contains some confronting graphic descriptions which may distress some listeners, so please look after yourself and feel free to pause or stop the podcast. There are links to support organisations in the podcast notes we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording on today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay our respects to Elders both past and present across Australia. In episode two, we delve deeper into the specifics and find out about how the scheme works for prisoners and also some recent changes to the law. Okay, let's jump in. Um, Pri, you mentioned before the situation for people in jails might be different and i know that's something that a lot of our listeners might be interested in if they're supporting people who are in jail and this so there's two scenarios i guess for people in jail it's if they are currently in jail or if they have been sentenced to a long sentence of imprisonment of five years or more ever in the past is that right that's right so how do those two situations so if we deal with prisoners first the the general rule is and it's in the the
2: regulations is that a prisoner cannot currently or who's in prison can't make an application for redress while they're in prison they're encouraged to apply for redress on their release now the reasons are that the application form itself requires a fair amount of detail of the nature of the of the abuse how when where who um, and what happened to you and then you have to go on and explain the impact of that abuse Disclosing that information, even just sitting down writing that implication uh, information in a prison environment, is really not safe for the person. There's no support for them as they do that, or very little support. Um, and, and the concern is that they they wouldn't be safe to do that in prison. The other concern is if it becomes known within the prison community that there's $150,000 coming their way as a result of redress, they are vulnerable to abuse and so it's just not safe there are some exceptions if the person in prison is unwell um, and is likely to have died before their term of imprisonment expires then you can um, apply under a special circumstance provision of the redress scheme and make an application similarly if you've got someone who's got early onset dementia with which where you've got a strong history of drug and alcohol abuse that that is likely to be happening and if they're going to be released from prison in two years' time, but it's likely they're not going to remember in two years what time what happened to them, but they can remember now, then you can apply to have your um, the, the prisoner to to apply for redress now. So that's prisoners um, in relation to anyone who's had a sentence of five or more years, they can complete the application for redress. But they will then get another series of questions which relates to rehabilitation, the nature of the offending, how long it is since they've offended and what they've done in terms of education, what sort of relationship they're in, uh, any employment. So they're looking to see if they're a good community member basically.
1: I think that's a big misconception in the community. People think that if someone's been sentenced to that five years or more, they can't apply under the scheme and that's unfair because they are victims which probably caused them to... Be in that situation, yeah. but and that's it, not really the case. That's not yeah. the
2: case. And even people who've been found guilty of sex offending or sexual offences, um, there's no blanket exclusion from those people. So once they've filled in the additional information, it goes to the Attorney General in the state where they were abused and the Attorney General in the state where they were incarcerated for comment. And the scheme operator then decides if by letting them proceed to make an application it brings the scheme into disrepute or it reduces the public confidence in the scheme, then that application would be stopped. But what we're hearing is the general aim is, yes, there's an acknowledgement that the reason for the offending is more likely than not to come from this, their sexual history of, of being abused as a child, that the idea is that as many of those prisoners with those, with people who've received those sort of sentences will be allowed to go through to, to get redressed.
1: I just ask about something that's been in the media lately um, I understand that a victim impact statement is part of what's required in the application for redress and in the previously that was provided to the institution responsible but that's something that's recently changed that's or will right. change? is That will change yeah you?
2: no that has changed yeah. um, so part three of the application and it's important to have a look at that part because we've always been told that all that all that is needed on that part and there's a, a list of impacts um, poor relationships no employment um, drug and alcohol all you need to do is actually circle which applied to you some people have done that and gone on to provide impacts impact statements which is fine um, but the the issue was that those part part three was actually going to the institution um, and and the reason that was being sent was that the um, Some needed for insurance purposes, but also for the direct personal response so that the institution had some idea of the impact on the person before they went and did the apology. There's been a lot of media about the um, the distress it's causing people for the institution to know what happened to the person. And the government has heard that distress and has made the call that Part 3 will not go to the institution unless the client actually or the survivor actually wants it to go for the purpose of a, a response or a direct personal response. So th- that has changed. And it's, it's been very um, useful for me to be working with Department of Human Services because they, they're constantly saying none of this scheme is set in stone and they are listening to what we're saying, listening to what survivors are saying as to what's working and what's not working. And so there's actually a new application form that's coming out in November, bearing in mind that some of the wording is quite harsh and straightforward. And a lot of our clients struggle with the the directness of the question. So there's a little bit of softening to those questions.
1: The other thing that's been in the media recently, obviously, is the national apology that was made mm. by the Prime Minister. What's, what's, you were there, Prue. I oh, was there. What's your view on, on that? Yeah. yeah. Look, look, it. it I, I,
2: I felt a bit of a fraud going. I felt I was taking um, a survivor's seat, um, especially when I, it suddenly became apparent that I was going to be in the House of Reps and I thought I was just going to be in the Great Hall. And then I really did feel like a fraud. But um, just being there in the House of Reps and hearing the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition, both of them make heartfelt apologies and reiterating that it wasn't the person's fault. And that was incredibly powerful. And I think in Bill Shorten in particular recognised the impact on the families and certainly the people sitting around me that just hit Accord straight away that the impact on families on on dads who are you know and grandfathers Who are in their 60s who who've not trusted themselves to change their children's nappy because they felt that they there was something wrong with them Um, What was it with them that Meant that they were abused and so they didn't feel confident enough to look after their children to change a nappy to hug a child Um, and and to see both the Prime Minister and in particular Bill Shorten acknowledge the impact on families was, was very powerful because it's had a huge impact on families. So we, we had the apology and then we went um, from the House of Reps down to the, the Great Hall where there were 800 survivors and it was lovely to see Julia Gillard acknowledged. Um, every, I mean, she, she obviously touched a lot of hearts when she put forward this uh, Royal Commission back in 2012 but again the speeches were very heartfelt Um, and and yes there were hecklers Um, not not many Um, and standing ovations all around the room Uh, and and it was wonderful to be part of something I'll I'll remember for the rest of my life so Prue we were talking before about uh,
1: a client of, of no more whose relative I think it was was very interested in yeah. the monetary payment yeah. that they were going to receive like, yeah. how does no more deal with that what what's your view on that kind of issue
2: yeah and and look it, it is becoming an issue but one because our clients are tending, tending to be older and we are getting lots of calls from children who say mum was in paramedic girls home for example and she wants to lodge an application and we're thinking we'd like to talk to mum please um it's of of real concern to us that there there is the real possibility of elder abuse going on within the community Um, our aboriginal staff have indicated that they are worried uh, and it's something that we are concerned about, especially for Aboriginal clients who share PIN numbers with with their children, that the money goes into the account and within a week or so, it's actually all gone. So we are working very closely with financial counsellors as to how we can set up sometimes separate accounts so that what our Aboriginal staff are saying is, yes, the clients, the Aboriginal clients want to be able to give to their grandchildren, but they want to be able to give to their grandchildren Um, and they want to be able to make some decisions. So if we put it into a separate account, which they keep the PIN number, then they've got control of that money, which is Mm. an ideal solution. Where we we, we are seeing signs of elder abuse, then we we discreetly talk to the client and make sure they're really aware of referral pathways to get assistance from seniors, rights, legal services and what sort of services they offer. And there's the elder
1: um, abuse helpline yes. in New South Wales, Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: I guess the other issue around the monetary payments is that issue of if people have debts, yeah, yeah before what should they do about yeah.
2: that? So one of our intake questions is whether or not there's existing financial
1: um,
2: difficulties that the clients experience, because most of our clients, having been sexually abused as children, have gone on to have a pretty rocky life, and there's, I would have thought that it's very easy to do an application on grounds of hardship to have those debts waived, and that would be the ideal solution, get debts waived before the monetary payment comes in, but for clients who don't contact us until the end, and we can't do those applications to waive the debts on grounds of hardship. What we're looking well, firstly, the legislation where Commonwealth debt won't won't be taken out of the payments so So that quarantine Centrelink, Australian Tax Office, child support. So they're all they will not be made. They won't make claims on monetary payments. What I'm in the process of doing is talking to the banks, so the big four banks and some of the smaller banks, to see if they if we can possibly quarantine that money from paying off personal injury personal loans credit card debts, all of that. Um, and I think we're a long way to getting resolution on those issues. The next tier that we're talking to are um, the utilities and telcos that we can also quarantine these payments from the Telstra coming in and claiming four mm-hmm. or $5,000 on a mobile
1: bill as that debt. What about in New South Wales if people have fines, debts or um, restitution?
2: Yeah yeah look i'm not sure i'm not sure about any of those but they we're taking those on board one of the biggest concerns for me right now is department of housing um i don't want people knocked off a priority housing list because suddenly they've got a lump sum payment and that payment should be used to pay off rent before it's before they can come back on the list that would be the ultimate in Mm. Sadness, and then mm. this is not how it's meant to be working. So, what I'm hoping to do is, um, I understand this has not been the first time that the department, the federal Department of Social Services, has approached the department of departments of housing around Australia to seek exemption, so that when this money comes into the account, it's not taken as an asset which should be used up before a person um, is, gets rent relief or goes mm. onto a public housing list.
1: So these are all things that people should talk to no more, talk to financial counsellor exactly. or legal aid or community legal service exactly. about first exactly. before yeah. they get the payment. Yes, then,
2: before yeah. they get the payment. Yeah. Absolutely. The
1: podcast is for community workers. So what are the main messages you would give to community workers or people who support... Um, survivors of institutional sexual abuse in the community what are the main messages that we want to give them today look the hardest thing for you as a community worker is going to be managing
2: expectations of clients everyone is going to think that they their abuse warrants hundred and fifty thousand dollars. the average is going to be 76 which means some people are going to get 10 Um, and when someone and it's a real concern for me in that Even in the life of no more working with the Royal Commission, three of my clients suicided. I'm not sure how we're going to help clients where they receive a cheque for $10,000 and they see that as um, the worth put on, what happened to them as a child. So as community workers, I would really um, encourage resilience on your part, but also to make sure that it's really good support for clients when they receive that information. Also, just remembering this scheme will run for 10 years and to make sure your clients really are ready to make an application that they have obtained all the other legal advice as to their options before they make the application. And the, the really important thing is that six months, that um, not only is it six months to accept or reject, but if nothing is ha- is done, it will be taken to have been rejected. There is only one application and you will have lost the opportunity to make another application. So I guess they're the takeaway messages from this. Right.
1: And the other main message obviously is that no more is there. You're a free, confidential legal yep. service. Without any
2: means. Yep. And we're national. So it doesn't matter where you are in Australia, you can phone that one eight hundred nine number.
1: Yeah. And we'll put that number on the information with the podcast. And it's not only lawyers you have at No More, you also work closely with social workers and, and Aboriginal support yeah. workers.
2: And and so it's really important, for especially for our Indigenous clients when they phone in, that if they, they need to feel that they're in a culturally safe space and they will be offered the opportunity to speak to one of our Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander engagement workers before they engage with the legal team. And that's just so that I mean there's a great deal of shame and embarrassment that Aboriginal people have have felt about what happened to them absolutely unjustifiably so but they need to feel that it's a safe place to come and it's culturally safe um, and the only way they're going to be able to do that is to access the engagement team um, and and they're there to make use of them um and and similarly, if a client becomes distressed during a call and it's impossible for a lawyer to take instructions, we'll bring in a counselor to to help the person to ground them and It may be that we have to end the conversation and make enough time another time to talk to them when they're feeling more able to to continue
1: and Do you often see clients together with a support worker absolutely, and that's that's our our preferred option simply
2: because. This is, there's a lot of information, unfortunately, that we have to impart and two sets of ears are better than one. And I, I know I've had to receive some bad news in my life um, and it's surprising that the words that you, you focus in on and you miss everything else that the person has said. And I have been very grateful for those times in my life that I've had someone else with me who's actually heard the rest of the message, which I didn't hear.
1: All right, well, Prue, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really wonderful talking to you, and I know that community workers will have learned a lot about this new scheme mm. and hopefully feel like they have more information to, to impart to their clients and know where to send them. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in today. We think this is information that is relevant to all Australians, so why not tell everyone at your work or even play a bit at your next team meeting. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts from so you know when our latest episodes are released. If you have other topics you want to know more about, uh, please just send us an email and we'll be in touch. Make sure to subscribe to our e-alerts as well. They let you know about free webinars and workshops as well as any changes to the law that might be relevant to your work as a community or health worker. And you can subscribe to that by following the links in the show notes. So until next time, thanks again from the CLE branch here at Legal Aid Wales.